Good morning, everybody. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. You are watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. I am a solo act today. Jason Booms is uh, unavailable to join us today. So we wish Jason well and look forward to him being on our next show next week. And I have the blackboard background up today, um, not just because the Maryland flag background was making it look like I should be working at a car detailing shop, but because we are talking school issues today. And uh, we, we, uh, we, today we take a trip into the lovely uh, county of Anne Arundel. And it's our pleasure to have on the podcast today uh, Board of Education member Joanna Bache Tobin. Joanna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. So let's get started with first things first. Why don't you tell us about yourself and tell us about uh, what what compelled you to run for the school board in, in Anne Arundel? Uh, well, thank you. So um, uh, my background has woven in around education for a long time. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of give you the big picture as quickly as I can. Um, I taught at the higher ed level. I, I uh, have a PhD in political theory and I taught at uh, St. John's College here in Annapolis for a number of years. Prior to that, as a fellow, well, I got my PhD at Georgetown. I also taught undergraduates there as a fellow. Um, and I started actually getting interested in K through 12 through teaching college students because I really started thinking about what students were coming out of school with and what qualities most impressed me as a college professor. So I got interested, I had a child. Uh, I should say my husband and I uh, have lived in Annapolis since 1999. Our daughter was a 2020 graduate of Annapolis High School. And so obviously as a parent, I got very involved in schools. Uh, and I did a number of um, volunteer things as many do. I was, I was uh, PTS, on the PTSA boards. I chaired the board of a private school. I also, uh, in my capacity, I work primarily now as a consultant. And so one of the things that I do is chair accreditation teams evaluating public charter networks around the country. Um, so I'd had the experience of being a parent in a public school, chairing the board of a private school, evaluating public charters, all of those things. And uh, increasingly, it just seemed to me that I had some skills and some experience that could be valuable on a board of education. And I should say when I ran and I was elected in 2020, it uh, was the first time that District 6, which is the Annapolis area, um, elected its member, uh, its representative on the board of education because we have been transitioning in this county from an appointed board to an elected board. So uh, it was also an opportunity um, to jump into something that really nobody had done. We had an electorate in this um, district that really, in many cases, didn't know what it meant to vote for a Board of Education member because they really hadn't before. So um, I kind of jumped into that. I should also add my own educational background is pretty broad. My father was a U.S. Foreign Service officer uh, focused on public diplomacy. He was a journalist for 20 years before he started working for an agency that doesn't exist anymore called the United States Information Agency. He was an African specialist. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Trinidad. We lived in Guyana. My mom and I lived in Hong Kong while my dad was at the embassy in what was then Saigon. Um, all of that by the time I was four. And then we moved to Zambia. From there, we moved to Nigeria. We were back in the States for a couple of years. Then we lived in Cameroon and then we lived in Ghana. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to the US for high school. And my parents always sent me whenever they could to the local schools. I didn't go to the American schools, the international schools. So I did first and second grade in Nigerian public schools in the North of Nigeria during a civil war. 
So my experience of education is fairly broad. Mm -hmm. And I felt that experience was valuable. So that's what got me into this. Um, And I realized uh, having lived in this community for 20 years that I love this community. I think we have the great advantage of being a phenomenally diverse community, but Annapolis has needs and the immediate surrounding area of Annapolis has needs that are in some cases very unlike the rest of the county. Mm -hmm. We have, for example, all the public housing in the county is in the city of Annapolis. Wow, okay. And all the students from public housing go through the Annapolis cluster schools and all go to Annapolis High. Mm. So there are very specific needs around that. We have, there, are, there is some other section eight housing and so on in other parts of the county. Um, but the full on public housing is all concentrated in Annapolis. And so it was, it was issues like that that made me realize that I felt this district really needed a strong voice. And the experience I have evaluating schools, being on boards. And I also should say another part of my work for about 15 years, I've moderated leadership seminars for the Aspen Institute. So I've been engaged in leadership work, coaching leaders, all of that for years. And I felt all of that could help me be a a strong voice for this community on the board. Well, thank you for all of that. You have had an incredible wealth of experiences and, and, and it sounds like they have, they have uh, not just qualified you well, but prepared you well for, for board service before I I get into the, I get to dig into the the policy aspects. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the electoral I mean, what was that like in Anne Arundel? Because if I if I know if I believe correctly, this was the first time Anne Arundel had even elected a board of education, uh, and and then this was also I believe you voted by council districts. So yes. what were the dynamics of that like? I, I know it's a nonpartisan race, but I know in Howard County we we uh, elected di- uh, by district by council districts for the first time, and it kind of became quasi-partisan. Was it similar there? Yeah, it was very tricky. I think, um, so the first four districts uh, were actually elected in 2018 onto the board. So from 2018 to 2020, they had a hybrid. Mm -hmm. Some who were appointed, some who were elected. And that's, I think, a difficult uh, dynamic. And so in 2020, the last three districts, so we have seven districts and one student member. So we have eight board Mm -hmm. members. Um, So I was among the last three who were elected and it became a real issue. Um, I felt, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat personally. I've always been a Democrat. I am very upfront about that. Most of what we decide, as you know, on the board is really not partisan. It's, Mm -hmm. it's about, education. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's about running the school system. Unfortunately, um, and we went through, you know, as is typical of nonpartisan, the nonpartisan doesn't mean that the individual candidate can't be affiliated. It means that everybody votes in the primary. Right. So we had five people in the primary with the top two vote getters went down to two. My opponent was actually an independent. Mm -hmm who made my part, my, the fact that I belong to a party an issue, mm. um, which I frankly, uh, my opponent is a very accomplished attorney. She knows very well the meaning of a, of a nonpartisan race. And that is not it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it does not mean I cannot have uh, an, an affiliation. So it got a little uh, difficult in that sense, but I, you know, I was very straightforward with the public, and uh, and I think my message carried that uh, what they were looking for was experience. They were looking for somebody who could speak to the issues, um, and a lot of that other stuff most people weren't interested in because it is education. It really is about our children, our schools, our teachers 
you know, all of the things that day in, day out boards of education make decisions on. And so ironically, once we get on the board, most of the partisan stuff goes away. One of my mm-hmm. colleagues is in fact, and she was also elected this year, is in fact the executive director of the state GOP. Um, but That's funny. yeah, <laughs> and but we personally get along great. Mm-hmm. We know there are things we will not agree on, but mm-hmm. there's a lot we do agree on that we work together on. And uh, the truth is, and I said this over and over again in my campaign, and I think this was important too, um, the real, you know, when you're voting for someone in this process, you really should be voting on who do you think is going to get the work done. Right. Um, You've got to get five votes. And Mm -hmm. if you can't get five votes, you can stand up there and say all the things in the world that make you feel good. uh, But it amounts to nothing. And so the ability to work with the board and find ways to get good policy across the finish line is our job. Mm -hmm. And so that has been, frankly, my focus. I think the, Mm -hmm. the electoral process for boards remains confusing to a lot of people. It's unfortunate Mm -hmm. that it does. Um, but I think the, the, the impetus behind that is good. I mean, I think it's important that everybody vote in the primary. I think it's important it not be sort of the parties putting up candidates for this particular. And this is the first time I'd ever run for anything in my life. Okay. Yeah. So, right. you know, I was not, I didn't have much of a, a political background other than mm-hmm. just as a voter, uh, you know, being affiliated with the Democratic Party. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I and I and I I'm a big believer in the local control of of boards of education, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people in the state don't realize that that I think it's still most members of the boards of education are still appointed by the governor, um, and in some very large jurisdictions such as Anne Arundel, in yeah. in Baltimore County until very recently uh, yep. in Baltimore City. They're there that the, the governor appoints all the members of the local boards of education. And, yep. and, you know, that, that seems to be out an outmoded form of, of governance in order to be able to give the students of a, of a jurisdiction, what they need and, and, and what the parents who are supporting uh, that system, what they want. Yeah, I think, you know, the argument was always, and, and you're right. I mean, like PG County still has a hybrid structure mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. um so i think this the argument was well if if it's not electoral then it's not political right well it is right. <laughs> it's it's based on you know now they'll say well the governor appoints based on for example in Anne Arundel county a, a recommendation right but but who knew about coming in and presenting themselves to the board of ed i mean it was a very opaque process to a lot of people I think the reality is when the board is appointed, it's largely invisible Mm -hmm. and people do not understand that probably a lot of the decisions, even if you don't have kids in the school, a lot of the decisions that most directly affect you are often made by boards of ed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the Gavin Buckley, who's the mayor of Annapolis, would say to me periodically when I would see him during the campaign, you know, you're going to control a budget way bigger than mine. Right. Uh, you know, our budget, Anne Arundel County, which, of course, is 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 somewhat more populous than Howard. We have about eighty three thousand students and our operating and capital budget is around one point eight billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um. And we're about 51, 52% of the county's budget. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I would say that, when I would be door knocking before the pandemic shut us down, you know, people are like, wait, 51% of the budget? I said, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, property values depend on schools. All sorts of things depend on schools. And, you know, people are aware of that when they have to vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, for who's there and they're not aware of it when they don't have to vote except for those parents and people who are very close followers of what's going on in the schools 
Yeah. Um, let, so. let me let me move a little bit to so some more policy related mm-hmm. questions. And 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 you said the magic word in your last answer, which was pandemic. And I'm I'm sure that the pandemic, of course, af- affected your campaigning for office immensely. Um, um, you know, during during 2020, but how mm-hmm. how has it changed? How do you feel it's it's changed? Um, how you've governed, how you've managed now that you're an elected board member? Well, I think you know, um, having come onto the board in December, uh, I'm I'm sort of I don't know what it's like to have a board meeting that doesn't have two or three hours of each meeting devoted to kind of where we are Mm -hmm. in reopening and so on. So, you know, I, I, (laughs) it's, it's been front and center. Um, Yes, we do keep going with all the other work we have to do, but there's just no question that it has dominated everything because it, it has to. Uh, And right now, you know, we have an extra meeting called this coming week because we're trying to keep up with all the different guidance that's coming out and so forth. So it has certainly uh, colored <laughs> my initial exposure to actually being in the position of governing. Um, however, I think um, there are huge opportunities that have also emerged in this process. And I believe, and I, I, I have always been a proponent of whole child education. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the value, the purpose of education at the end of the day, in my view, is to help young people grow and develop into fulfilled, productive, healthy human beings. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. And the paths, the path that different human beings take towards that, there are many. Right. Um, And I think in some sense, by having to function in this pandemic environment, we've sort of had to get back to, okay, how are we going to deliver some of these these basic things that meet children where they are, meet their most basic needs? Because Mm -hmm. if you don't meet those basic needs, nothing else happens, right? You have to first meet children's needs, whether it's food, whether it's mental health, whether it's anything else before academic success happens, not the other way around. That's just, that's just what we know. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's been amplified. Um, That was always the case in my view, but it's been amplified here. So my hope is that we will carry the best lessons out of this forward and leave behind some of the things that I think we can get bogged down in uh, which can sometimes become box checking, quite frankly. Right. Um, that is a distraction from what education really needs to be. And uh, I think uh, we recognized that with remote learning, students had to be, especially as they got older, high school students, et cetera, a lot more independent. Well, the truth is that is something we should be promoting. We, mm-hmm. My own view is high, we tend to treat high school students in this country as big children rather than young adults emerging mm-hmm. into independence. And we can't expect students to walk out of high school and suddenly become independent. Right. Again, as a college professor, I noticed that a lot. I noticed that while kids were cramming for their AP exams, they weren't learning some of the basics about how to function as independent Mm -hmm. young adults. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to focus on those things first and foremost. I think it's, and, and, you know, we've had some, I think it's pretty evident that the gaps that were there have widened in this process and I think we have tended to f- place great focus on, you know, we want to get kids on the college track and then kind of, well, I guess if you can't do that, you go do the career training. I think those things should be equal. Mm-hmm. I think they're equally important. And I think, and this comes back to my Aspen work with a lot of CEOs of, of multinational corporations, anybody who says they know what the job market's going to look like in 10 years 
I don't think knows what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so what all of our young people need to have coming out of school, first and foremost, is the is to know how to learn because they're going to have to learn and relearn and reinvent themselves over and over again. And so the young person for whom the right thing in high school is to come out with a, a real certification for HVAC. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Right. Do that. <clears throat> that may be what you want to do for five years. And it may later, you may say, no, you know, now college is where I want to go. Great. Mm-hmm. But you need to have the wherewithal, know yourself, know what you can do to be able to make those decisions for yourself in your life, because that's what a democracy demands, quite frankly, mm-hmm. is people who are able and capable of directing their own lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what education has to, especially public education has to offer in my view. All right. So, so, so Joanna, you have successfully um, activated my geek mode. <laughs> so I hope we don't start going down and we're here for an hour and we still have most of the questions I wanted to ask, but there was something you said in your last answer. I, I was just hoping you could expound upon mm-hmm. uh, when you said, um, and I think it's a very accurate point. Uh, the point you made about high school students having the system treat them as, as old Big children, children yeah. than young adults. And of, and of course, you know, I, I think of education as, as a system, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, 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 it's a village. Um, and I, I think that they're, well, I, I, am not gonna, let me not say what I think because <laughs> my question, but where do you see the parent community of high schoolers coming down on that? Do they, uh, my experience being a, a parent of two, you know, kids who graduated to Howard County public schools was that um, the school based on school performance, there is an inverse proportion. Uh, the schools that were not so successful in the test scores really wanted their kids prepared for life. Whereas mm-hmm. the schools that were more uh, got the greater notoriety for having the large high test scores um, they kind of, the parent community's philosophy seemed to want to put a bubble around yep. their 15 to 18 years old child, right? When it's mm-hmm. intuition would suggest that that was maybe the worst time to do that. Well, what are you, what do you experience, uh, uh, in, in your, in your, um, in your travels? I think you're right. Um, and in fact, I've been having this conversation for years with families, because uh, people, because, you know, when you teach college, people will often ask you about college. And I should also say, I didn't mention this. So my husband's family was one of the first families to move to Columbia. They moved there in oh, 68, wow. 69, Terrific. something okay. like that. He's a proud graduate of Oakland Mills. Oh, that's where my kids went. <laughs> As was his Middle brother, he's the oldest of three brothers. Middle brother, his youngest went to youngest brother went to Howard because of redistricting. Also okay. loved Howard, so uh, he he's he grew up sort of in that that world. Um, but you know, I have been saying to parents for years when they would come to me, often parents who were super focused on you know not just college but like the marquee schools. And, uh, and, and, and truth in advertising, I, I, my undergraduate was at Wellesley college. I was fortunate to go to it. My husband went to Yale. We were very, you know, fortunate. It was a different time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, I think that, you know, what I kept saying to parents was frankly, relax and recognize that, uh, first of all, the data is very clear. What ensures success, the best indicator of success in college for kids is their engagement at that college, which in turn is defined by the fit of the college for them, right? Mm -hmm. So if the parent is saying it's Stanford or die or whatever, maybe that's that kid is that Stanford kid. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not. And that has nothing to do with grades. That has nothing to do with intelligence. 
that has to do with who that kid is. And I think there is an element of fear, quite frankly, that has invaded often those who are more comfortably off that, you know, college has gotten way more competitive than when my husband and I went to college, right? I'm not saying we didn't work hard and I'm not saying, you know, we weren't good students, but it's, it's a totally different world. And so it's often the parents who themselves did pretty well who are really worried that their kid's not going to get into the same sort of level of school that they went to. And so I think the result is exactly what you're talking about. And I think that oddly enough, they are often hampering their kids mm-hmm. because, um, I mean, I, t- I took a little grief from some parents I know because my daughter at 13 started doing her own laundry. Cause I was like, you need to do- know how to do your laundry. And I literally had friends said, well, you know, my, my kids have so much schoolwork. I don't want to you know, I, I, I don't want to hamper them with that. And I was like, but they're going to have to manage their time. Plus it feels, it actually, you might complain to your mother as my daughter did, but um, there is a sense of empowerment, quite frankly, when you can take care of yourself in, in, mm-hmm. in age appropriate ways, right? I wasn't right. going to send the kid off to live by herself somewhere, but you know, she knew what to do. And, and I think and independence. And again, if we're going to equip young people to take on whatever comes, look what just happened the past couple of years to them. Right. You know, nobody was predicting that. Then we've got to slowly set up ways in which frankly they can fail and the stakes are not so high Mm -hmm. because you can't fall apart when you fail. Right. You can feel really bad for a while. (laughs) We all have. And you pick yourself up and you figure out what comes next. And Mm -hmm. we have record levels of depression, sadly, suicide, a lot of things going on with our young people, some of which has a lot to do with the circumstances we're in. And, you know, that that is perfectly understandable. But a lot of it often is just never having failed and not having those experiences that tells you that it will feel different tomorrow. Right. This isn't forever. Mm-hmm. You can get through this. You have the resources to reach out and ask for the help that you need to find it within yourself, whatever it is, but that you don't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that is often what happens in these pressure cookers um, that sometimes school can become. We, we have a situation here in Anne Arundel County where one of our five-star high schools, I think one of maybe only two in the county, has one of the highest suicide rates in the country, not just in the county, the country. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who went to Annapolis High, which is a very high poverty school, hugely diverse, and if I may say so, fabulous school. (laughs) She loved her education there, and she Mm -hmm. had amazing teachers. Um, She said, we got a whole lot of problems, but that's not it. Right. And, That's and, and, not and, the problem. Right. And we can say, I mean, I, I can say the same thing for Howard County, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's high in the country, but it, it's higher than one would think. And, yeah. and certainly a lot more of, of yeah. mental health, substance abuse issues and, and, and all of that. Have you in Anne Arundel, have you had to deal with the redistricting? Um, so <laughs> we I have not been through it as a board member, obviously. Um, I am chair of the policy committee, and in fact, we are considering right now our redistricting policy, sort of updating mm-hmm. it. And um, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that in Howard County, it's kind of a holistic process that's done. Oh, there. well, it was quite a process. But yes, yeah. ours, ours ended about a year ago it went forward. yeah and it's it's on a reg it's sort of a regular schedule isn't uh, it it's supposed to be it's supposed uh, to but, be but uh it, yeah. it, it very much colored our 2020 elections it went on in 2019 and yeah the aftermath of this and parents groups wanting to fight it 
Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I saw some of the headlines. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and and Montgomery County had just as much fun as as Howard. Um, So redistricting is always a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, However, my own view is it has tended to be done in this county kind of piecemeal. Mm. So usually through a recommendation by the superintendent, he'll sort of say, well, this area needs to be redistricted. I think that's a problem. I think there has to be a holistic view of the county. I mean, we are a big county mm-hmm. and many people have said we're sort of four counties in one. The, you know, the Southern part of the county is very rural. The Northern part of the county is very, very close to Baltimore, very sort of much a part of Baltimore. The Western part of the county, you know, goes over to close to Howard County, all sorts of stuff there. And then we have the Annapolis sort of and mm-hmm. Park and all those areas. Um, and first and foremost, redistricting needs to be an equation, a math equation, right? It's really about resources. We've got, we have districts in this county that are rather disparate in their pop, in, in how occupied their schools are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not okay. It's not. And it tends to reinforce inequities that are already there, right? It tends to be no surprise that the schools with the more vulnerable populations are more likely to be overcrowded, right? Mm -hmm. Not always, but, um, and so, you know, one of the things I am hoping we will do in this county is adopt some sort of schedule and some sort of holistic process. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think you're never, I mean, people get upset when they get redistricted. We know that. (laughs) We know that. Right? If you run for this position and you're shocked by that, you should not have run for this position. (laughs) Um, But it needs, the only answer to that in my mind is consistency and clarity and transparency Mm -hmm. and a recognition. You know, Maryland is a state that determined that its districts would be countywide. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not Pennsylvania. We don't have like four blocks the, that the, make the their ta- own the borough or the township right. or the district. Right. So we are literally all in this together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we face some of this during the pandemic. Right. We've had people say, well, in my area, we don't have as much of the COVID. So why can't we open up? You know, and I'm like, well, at what point, where do you want a, a barricade on the on the main route into your part of the county that keeps all the teachers who normally go back and forth between schools mm-hmm. and everybody else out. We, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and by the way, you benefit from the resources that are spread around the entire county that allow for the disparate sort of income levels and so on to to kind of support each other. Um, but that's that's my take on it. I haven't been through it yet as a board member. Uh, I look forward to all the. <laughs> I'm glad you're saying you look forward to it. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> it's part of the job. I know. As I said, nobody should run for this job because they think they're going to be popular for every decision that they make. And uh, I'm a parent. I understand mm-hmm. when this is about your kids, you know, you are not sitting there taking a clinical view you are worried about your kids and it's also one of the reasons i decided to run at this point in my life just as my child was graduating and in fact when i was on the campaign trail people would look at me and say wait a minute you're running as just as your kid leaves the system Mm -hmm. and i said yeah and it works for me for a number of reasons but also this is not about my kid right this is about all the kids and that's my job. And I think, you know, not to cast aspersions on anybody who has kids in the system, who's on the board, but for me, I think it's important that I be a board member who really can look at this from the perspective of, I have a whole system I'm responsible for that I have to govern. Mm -hmm. And we got to get this right for the whole system. Mm -hmm. We can't pick and choose. Mm So, so a couple more areas I want to want to pick your brain on and ask uh-huh. you about a little bit. Um, so I, I'm I'm very impressed by your not just your your professional 
background and education, but also your, your personal background. And, and I also attended a mixture of, of public and private institutions. And my goodness, certainly did not have the international Mm -hmm. uh, flavor of, of your education, but uh, I, I noted in your background and you mentioned it, that, um, you know, working, um, you know, uh, around the world of public charter schools mm-hmm. and, and you've also made mention of, of Votech education and, mm-hmm. and those other pathways for, for young people who, who, who should not be going to college for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, you know, where do you see, I mean, maybe, I don't know if there are present trends in Anne Arundel, but where do you see the future heading in that regard? And, and that, that's a, that, that's a particular thing. I was pr- particularly disappointed in our own school board over the past couple of years, because we had a, a person who was elected who, who one of the things they wanted to bring was all sorts of educational innovation, you know, mm-hmm. opening avenues for kids to take programs, in fact, in things that they normally would not see unless they got to a community college situation. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, that didn't get anywhere. And, and she wound up being frustrated and, and not running for re-election to the board in her own right. Mm-hmm. But where, I mean, not just as a board member, but as a professional in the field, where, where do you see that, that educational trend uh, going? Well, so I, um, I think it's going in a good direction and there are a number of reasons for that. Um, we have our, what we call our CAT centers, our centers for applied technology in the county, mm-hmm. which is essentially the Votech centers because right that kind of came out of the era of, you know, centralize everything, sort of pull kids out of school who want to do that. And that part I'm not a fan of. I think the Votech needs to be integrated uh, with all education because I think that's really valuable. I think Mm -hmm. you should not assume that the kid who wants to get the plumbing certificate might not also want to take an AP physics class. Okay. I think you know, and, and when you ship kids out, it becomes very difficult to do that. Um, here are the reasons I think it's going in a good direction. Most importantly, Blueprint for Maryland, okay? Mm-hmm. If you've really dug down into that bill, which I have, <laughs> um, that's one of the key components of that bill. And it's, it's there, the research that the Kerwin Commission, you know, which was the ground for the Blueprint, based their work on was the research by Mark Tucker and the uh, National Center for uh, the Economy and Education or Education and the Economy, NCEE. Um, And it's benchmarked against the most successful education systems around the world. So again, it has this global focus, which if we really wanna prepare our kids for the future, we have to attend to. Mm -hmm. And the, the VOTEC is absolutely equal to the college track in mm-hmm. those systems. And Blueprint places a premium on that. And Blueprint blows up high school. I mean, that's the most important thing that Blueprint does. Blueprint says by 10th grade, by the end of 10th grade, you are in a position where you can now spend those last two years of high school, if you really want to pursue a college track like we have a superb international baccalaureate magnet program Mm -hmm. uh, which actually my daughter went through fabulous that's what you want to do great um otherwise if you want to pursue the career uh track terrific you will come out of high school not just having taken a few classes and you know maybe had an apprenticeship you will come out with a certification by the time you're done mm-hmm. um and then the pathways proud to say as wonderful as howard community college is Anne arundel was just named the best community college in the country by forbes um hey, I, I was I, I i was i was adjunct faculty at Anne arundel community college i'm happy for that yep um and the point is from my own global experience, both as a child 
and also working with a lot of international groups through Aspen, uh, I will tell you that the community college system is the shining star of the American higher education system. Mm -hmm. There is nothing else like it anywhere else in the world. It is brilliant. And so we've got more and more incredible pathways programs being set up in our high schools through something called our signature programs. So each high school sort of has a focus uh, at Annapolis High, for example, which is in my district, it's what's known as change engineering. Now, people, it's a slightly misleading term because people assume that's just engineering. It's really not. It's really the change part. It's really taking mm -hmm. a problem and figuring out how to, and it's multidisciplinary. There's dual enrollment at the high schools that's being, I mean, at the community college that's being worked out. So I see that going in a very good direction. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, all the things that we've seen, the millennial generation who has been saddled with so much student debt from college, I think has really made people think very carefully about what's worth that kind of money and what isn't. Right. Right. And I say this as a college professor, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think think that it's very important that more and more families are recognizing even you know as we were talking earlier those families who were typically kind of obsessed with my kids going to get into this college that you know it's maybe not that simple it's mm -hmm. it's it is more about where your child is going to thrive mm -hmm. and frankly right. anybody who gets a plumbing certification right now i can guarantee that that job is not going away is it going to change? Sure. Is the equipment going to change? The technology? Sure. But, you know, what I said earlier about not knowing the job market, well, there's some things I can pretty much guarantee you that will still be here 10 years from now. And plumbing is one of them. It doesn't go away. Plumbing, electrical, HVAC. Um, no. It does not go away. And so, you know, these are the things I think that when we start talking in terms of outcomes that aren't just check the box, did I graduate high school, but am I ready to live a productive, fulfilled life, then we get a much healthier discussion about what education should be doing and less obsession, frankly, on these sort of little bits and pieces that people just, that can just make people crazy um, at times, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I see coming and certainly what I am advocating for. But I also think that the circumstances are supporting this certainly in this state right now. Um, and and I, um, I very much wanna see um, this work move forward. And I think blueprint the way it's structured, assuming we get the accountability and implementation board set up correctly. And a lot of other things can begin to do that. So, you, you know, there are very few engineers I know who also can't, don't like love working on cars or do plumbing or do electrical work or do, mm -hmm. you know, house improvement, home improvement projects. Oh, yeah. It's just the, the brain is, is wired so similarly that oh, yeah. instead of just thinking about it and conceiving about it, you know, you, you have to do it. So to your right. point of, of that plumber who wants to take AP physics, absolutely. Because oh, yeah. those are, those are complementary skill sets. And so yeah. why wouldn't they, right. uh, you know, and that should be available if, if it should be, I, I love that right. answer. Yep. So, yep. The last thing I want to ask you about, and kind of shifting gears mm -hmm. somewhat, uh, but I did see in Anne Arundel uh, Public School System news that, that uh, you were elected a new uh, student member. Mm -hmm. uh, so congratulations. Seems like a wonderful young lady. Yes. Tell us about what the role is and what does the student member of the board do in Anne Arundel? Well, so we are very proud to be the only county in the entire country with a student member who has full voting rights. Okay. So on, um, on every, on every, issue everything before the board, everything. And we've had wonderful board member, you know, student board members, our current student member, Drake Smith is a remarkable young man. Um, Ms. Omasori, who's just been elected, I think will be fabulous. 
Um, and uh, the young woman, uh, uh, Rita Alvey, who was the board member previous to Drake, was actually a classmate of my daughter's at Annapolis High. Um, and, uh, and I think it's very important that we have a student member who can vote on everything. I know there's been controversy about that in Howard County and other there was a bill actually brought before the state legislature an attempt to limit, I believe, the voting areas for yes. student members. Um, you know, again, this may go back to me being a, a, an old political theorist. Um, you know, democracy's messy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it means you hear from everybody. And who do we impact more than students in our decisions? And we need to hear from them. I think the more young people feel they really do have a voice in these matters, the more productive it all becomes. Um, and I think our, uh, our small, you know, we refer to them as our smobs, um, mm -hmm. as I'm sure you do too. Our smobs, it's a hugely difficult job to take on your senior year. I mean, you're basically, you know, at the same time that you're getting ready to apply to college or whatever it is you want to do after high school, you're, you know, taking on this massive job and you've only got one year, right? The rest of us sort of have a year to initially, you know, that you get that budget and you have to sort of figure it out. They, they don't have a lot of time and they work incredibly hard at it. I have learned from Drake in the course of this year. I expect, I'm sure I'll learn from Boomi next year. And, uh, and I value that. I think that's tremendously important. And it goes to what I said before, you know, we, we've got to stop thinking of students as, as big, you know, especially at the high school level as big children. Mm -hmm. um, the more student centered schooling and schools are, the better off we are. Uh, I, I chaired the board of a Montessori school for a number of years. This mm. is a core premise of Montessori education that you are preparing children to become independent functioning adults. Mm -hmm. And when they have a say in their school environment, they do much better. They just right. do. And I think, uh, sure, sometimes it's complicated to have a student jump in and ask questions that, you know, come from their perspective and might not be what we would have raised. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's always valuable having that conversation, no matter how the vote goes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, we'd, we would make poorer decisions in my view if we didn't have that voice on I, I our would, board. I, I would agree. I would agree. I, I'm, I'm excited to know that, 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 that the smob is so, is so instrumental. Oh yeah. You, know, you don't, y'all don't worry about tie votes. What if you have a four to four vote? Because it my does, goodness, that that's part of what caused that bill to be written. Oh, I know. Well, four to four votes means things don't pass. Right. Oh my um, goodness, but you have a tie <laughs> created it's, by a child, Joanna. That's what they say. It's uh, awful. No, it's created by a board. Oh, <laughs> what an enlightened thought on a Sunday morning. What, what is this? Some public affairs <laughs> podcast? I don't know. Democracy is messy, inefficient, at times deeply unpleasant and to paraphrase the famous quote better than anything else that we've got True. so you and you know I, I people used to ask me when i chaired the board of the private school if they were looking for new board members you know what qualities do you look for in a board member and i said you know well they're different there's always the expertise right you sort of want to balance out the lawyers the attorneys the um accountants the educators, whatever it is that you, you have. I said, but the bottom line is less about that and more about two things. Can you deliberate as part of a group, mm -hmm. right? And can you ask good questions? 
those are the two qualities that you really need in a board member because it is a board. It's mm-hmm. you're not electing one person to carry forward an agenda by themselves. Right. Um, and that's that's how it has to work. And and that's how democracy works. And if you you know, the incubators, I think one of the biggest incubators of democracy in our country are school boards. Mm hmm. I think that's where you're down in the trenches, you know, really dealing with day-to-day things that aren't sexy, that aren't, you know, they're, they're not fun. They're not fun. But if we have learned anything this year, we've learned that when the schools don't run, not a whole lot else does. Yes. So. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, Joanna, this has been wonderful. I very much appreciate it this time. How how can people get a hold of you? Find me. Yes. Um, so my the best way to find me, and this is partially because I'm still having some troubles with my AACPS phone service, <laughs> um, <laughs> is my email is jtobin at aacps.org. And if you go on the AACPS website and hit the board page, we're all listed there. You know, our contact info is there. Um, And I'm always happy to hear from people. As I say to my constituents, especially when we're in the thick of an issue, because like all board members, we don't have staffs and so on. Um, Sometimes in the thick of it, I will read every email that comes my way. I don't always have time to get back to people or get back to them quickly, but, uh, I'm always happy to hear from people and welcome any questions. So, well, terrific. Well, Joanna, thank you for, for being such a great guest today. I've really enjoyed this. I hope you'll think, consider coming on our show again. My pleasure. I would love to, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. This is a great service. I think to, for people to have a chance to really get to know some of the folks who are out there. And thank you for delving into Anne Arundel County. We're just over the border. So, well, well you know, uh, and you said Anne Arundel's four counties in one. Yep. A uh, 160 years or so ago, you could have been like seven counties. In right. <laughs> yep. Howard came from Anne Arundel. And oh, Lord, if you'd have Columbia and West Friendship oh, yeah. and Savage and Elkridge now. Yeah, that would be a joy. Well, well good luck. <laughs> thank you. And same to you. Thank so you. for thank Jason, you. for Jason Booms, my name is Bill Woodcock. You have been watching or listening to another edition of Forward Maryland. We'll be back again next week. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. Thank you. Take care.